Welcome to Vip Friends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Vip Friends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Mullino. For information about Vip Friends classes, support groups for youth, teens, and adults, visit us at www.vipfriends.org. For questions or comments, you can email us at support at bitfriends.org. BitFriends podcasts are now sponsored by my Bitaligo team. My name is Mark Braxton with BitFriends Living Life and Love. I have my special guest here today, Andre. So I'm going to welcome Andre and let him tell you about his journey with Vitiligo. Hi, I'm Andre Joaquim. Um, I've had Vitiligo now for 29 years. Um, my journey began, um, I think, back in 1992. Yeah, 1992. So um, like so many others, I was shocked and surprised when I uh, noticed white spots. Uh, I didn't know what it was. And I think my my spots came about because I got into a fight then. Um, it was like scratches. It was really a bite mark. But um, when I went to the doctor, I remember just being scared. You know, there was a lot going on in that time. Um, there was like HIV scare and everything. And so I was like terrified. So it took me a while to get to the doctor. But when I finally went, the doctor was like, you know, um, yeah, you know, you don't have it like go. And at the time he referred to it, you know, you got that Michael Jackson skin condition, you know, and I was just scared. I was like, am I going to die? And he's like, no, you just might be sun sensitive. And, you know, it may uh, progress or it may regress, you know, um, it sometimes it goes back and forth. And he recommended certain um, treatment options for me. And um, first I tried putting on some cream and everything to bring back my skin color. And I was just like, you know, after about a few months, I was just like, oh, skip it. I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm not even gonna worry about it. So later on, probably like a few months later, it just started spreading like wildfire. And then, you know, being 18, um, well, 18 and then turning 19, um, it was just very scary because, you know, then, you know, I'm not really worried. I'm not sure how things are going to go. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able, uh, someone's going to like me, someone's going to date me or anything like that, especially it spreads to private parts of my body, like so scared and nervous, you know. Um, and I had some scare in my time where like you know, uh, the person that with they questioned me and you know and with real concern and it just you know went really bad and I was just like no you know I told him it was a birthmark I used to lie about it I used to say it was a birthmark I used to say I was burnt in a fire you know whatever it was because I did not want to say it was an um autoimmune disease Anytime I got ready to say the word disease, you know, it was like a little bit scary and nerve wracking. And when I first started telling people initially, just the reactions to saying that I have an autoimmune disease. Okay. And the thought was, am I going to find someone? Am I going to get married or anything? And what I found out that, you know, the people who like you, like you for you, it doesn't even matter if you have white spots, brown spots, black patches, whatever. You know, there's always someone for everyone. And right. so throughout those years, I, I continued on to the point where I was like 90% depigmented. And, you know, at the time I had some very crazy experiences being a black man who's like 90% uh, depigmented. You know, I can't even remember a time when I was like driving really fast in my car and, um, you know, at the time I had very long hair and I was going so fast. I was going like maybe 80 in a um, 45 and I passed this police and I realized I was lost about a couple miles down the road. So I turned back and I went back to ask the policeman. I was like, hey, um, do you think you could help me out with directions? And he was like, uh, sure. He's like, hey, didn't you just go past uh, really, really fast? You know, like you were going way past the speed limit. I said, yeah, that was me. I said, you didn't pull me over because you thought I was white? And oh, I was wow. smiling and joking. And he said, yeah. And he stopped and he looked serious. He's like, hey, never mind that. You know, um, you're not supposed to be going speed limit. Speed limit is 45 and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. My bad. But, you know, 
I just experienced a little bit of white privilege right there. That's what that was in my mind. Like, damn, okay, it's kind of cool to have be <laughs> depigmented. Right. And then um, later on, I spent like a few years like being like 90% depigmented. And it didn't really bother me, you know, because I was still sun sensitive. So I would wear uh, a lot of clothing that covered most parts of my body. I would walk around with umbrellas, which I do to this day at times. Um, and then a few more years later, then after getting used to this new look and being okay with it, because it took me a while to get used to it. And I probably say it took me like about the first, it took me like about six years to get used to it. And then the seventh year, I started loving it. And then for a few years after that, I was still loving and everything. And then boom, like, you know, basically took the rug from under me because I got diagnosed with lupus. Okay. Ended up in the hospital, um, was bedridden. Uh, and they, they said the only way that they can help me is they gave me, like, they bombarded me with steroids. And what ended up happening is the steroids ended up uh, working too well and helped me be able to get around, but it also brought back my pigment, but it also uh, brought in some hyperpigmentation. Wow. So now I'm not only white and brown, but I'm white and like about four different shades brown, even all the way to black. And it's like looking splotchy. I was like, for the next few years, like I hated looking in the mirror. I was just like, this is not me. I would like stay inside. I would refuse to go out. But I've always had friends who would always be like, man, just come on out. So a lot of my friends would bring me out and everything. And on and off, like, you know, I would still be dating. And a lot of the females that I dated, they didn't care. They didn't care that, you know, how I looked, you know, they just liked me for who I was and who I am. So, you know, um, I started learning to deal with it. But then after a while of not taking the steroids, I noticed my color started back, coming back to like just two colors, which I was very happy with. And, um, I can remember even in the midst of me changing, I had that one person in my life, a professor, I remember her name was Margo. Every time I saw her, even if I tried to hide from her, she would just be like, you're so beautiful. Oh my God, you're so beautiful. And sometimes people would think that she was hitting on me, but she wasn't, but she had a husband and children. But she made it a point to tell me I was beautiful every time she saw me. And even to this day, if I see her now, and she hasn't been my professor in over, uh, I think like 13, 14 years. Right. I see her to this day. She'll be like, oh, you're so beautiful. There's my handsome boy. And I just, you know, just gush like, you know, <laughs> like, a, like a teenage boy just getting compliments from their teacher and everything. So, you know, I think um, having a lot of support and everything helped me be comfortable with who I am. But it also brought me to a new level of, of acceptance. Um, and I can remember you know, as I started being more comfortable, um, a lot of doors started opening, you know, because I wasn't afraid to talk. I wasn't afraid to, you know, um, talk about my past. I wasn't afraid to talk about, you know, what I wanted to do. And it brought me into a career that I love now because I'm a um, youth and family therapist. And so being able to talk to people, you have to be able to talk with people no matter what, even if you feel uncomfortable or whatever. So, you know, I've talked with clients. I've even taught classes to um, intro to counseling students and career planning students. And I found like the more comfortable I was, the more comfortable they were with me. You know, and I would even explain to them what vitiligo is. I started like advocating in classes and just telling people, explaining to people what it's like, you know, especially new clinicians, because I want them to be able to understand what vitiligo is in case they ever have a client that has vitiligo. So they'll be able to know that, hey, you can't catch this, you know, you can't pass this. They might be able to even understand what they're going through just from conversations I have. So I think sharing our experiences, um, the good, the bad, the ugly is very important to, you know, advocating and getting people to understand and spreading that message of awareness as well. So now here I am 
just happy with who I am, loving the skin I'm in. And I think I really started loving the skin I'm in when I saw Alex. Alex Augustine. That dude was like so powerful. I used to watch watch his videos of him on the beach. Hello, family. Hello, family. I'd be like, oh, dude is so dope. He's fearless. And he gave me a lot of courage just being able to, you know, just walk around and know that, hey, dude is beautiful and he's handsome. I was like, I might be just as beautiful and handsome to other people as well. And so I started looking online. That's how I started looking at different people. I started watching other people with Villayo commenting. So I started friending people and started looking and I was just really quiet. And I started looking Then I came across Vip friends. Then I saw Vip friends. I was interested and, you know, the first conference came up. I was like, man, I'm going to go to that, you know, no matter what. And all my friends were cheering me. I was like, yeah, you should go, Dre, you should go. And when I went, it was so powerful. It changed my life. I was just like, wow, this conference. And I've been to a lot of conferences, whether it's like school, uh, educational-based conferences, whether it's conferences for, you know, um, counselors, clinicians, social work, you know, um, whatever it was. I've been to it. And there was nothing more powerful than going to the Villarreal conference for me. It, it really uh, like spoke to my soul and the energy there was like just so amazing. And I was very quiet the first conference and everything because I was taking it all in because I didn't know how to really approach because it seemed like everybody knew each other. I remember the very first person that really befriended me was uh, Kawan. And she's out of like uh, North Carolina. And I'm talking about, man, a person feeling like a fish out of water, she wouldn't let me feel like a fish out of water. She's just like, no, nah, come on, brother, you coming with me. And she would talk with me and she'd be having conversations with everyone because, you know, she was just like, everybody was looking to talk to her and everything. And I was just like, man, she's just so cool. And then um, I started like being bolder. Then I met Shazad and I met... Um, uh, Denise Chambers, you know, and I met um, Two-Tone, Biddy Two-Tone, and um, out of Florida, you know, and I left, when I left there, I left feeling like, man, I feel finally connected, like, I, I never felt connected, or if I felt connected, it wasn't as powerful as when I went to the conference, so I left there just feeling like, man, this is awesome, this is amazing, then I went to a conference too. It was just as awesome, amazing. Like Detroit, oh man, we were hanging out. We were just doing everything. And it just feel like being with your family. The same individuals that I hung out with um, at the last one, I was there like glue the next time. So, you know, we just hung out and I feel like those connections, you know, um, cemented. And so it was a beautiful thing. And, you know, I've been to every conference, um, all the way up till 2019. And I think I've learned something from every one of them. Um, and even the last one where, you know, 2018 and 19, I was doing vending and everything. But I realized like my true passion is to connect with people. So like, if there ever was a, a Villarreal conference, I'm not looking to do vending and everything cause that takes up a lot of space and time. Cause I like to connect with my people. I love to connect with the kids They're, You know, I see how beautiful they are and, you know, and even when people are struggling and everything like that, just having that energy and being able to talk to someone who's okay or cool. They look to people who are cool with their vitiligo so they can get insight and, you know, wisdom from them of how they deal or how they navigate life and everything. So I think like, all the way up to now, I realized how important community is and connection. So that's where I'm at in my journey. I want to be able to connect and make community wherever I go with whoever I'm with. Sounds good. Um, I, I do have a question, um, and I'm going to have you elaborate on it in just a few minutes. Um, but just so we don't get any feedback, I muted your mic, so you'll probably have to unmute it after after I speak. Um, 
so you know, having vitiligo, and we talked about it before with the men. Um, being a man, you know, sometimes people downplay the impact of having vitiligo because they kind of feel like, you know, well, you're a man, you can deal with it, get over it. You know, um, from my experience, I've I've dealt with some people, um, both men and women, that just kind of looked at it like, no, you're all right, you don't you don't have much on your face, you know. But it's not just about where it's located. I do have it around my mouth. And I've had a lady call me out one time, you know, what's wrong with your mouth? And, you know, and, and things like that set you back. But then you mentioned, uh, and, and we're going to put it out there. You mentioned in your private area, you know, um, that's a part of having vitiligo. We don't talk about, we don't mention it. It's like taboo, but the reality is vitiligo doesn't discriminate when it comes to parts of your body. And, for men and women, when you have it in that area, it brings insecurity. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are with yourself. You still have that. I feel like you have in the back of your mind, how does this other person see me or how do they perceive me? And it brings along the insecurity. Yeah. You know, when I think about that, the very first contact I had with someone um, and the lights were like dark and everything. And they, you know, I'm going to say the nice version of how they said it. They was like, what the fudge do you got? And what are you trying to give me? And my heart stopped and I freaked out. And I, you know, I was like, this is a birthmark, you know? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, no, I don't want nothing to do. Get out of my face. And I jumped up and left. And then I was so scared to have another encounter. And it took me months to have another encounter. And when I did, of course, the person that, you know, did become intimate with, they were cool with it. They weren't tripping. They were just like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, I, I think it's kind of cool. And, you know, I realized even then and now, there's going to be people who are going to be okay with you. And there's going to be people who don't want to mess with you because you have vitiligo. And that's okay. Everybody have their preferences. You know, like, I wish I had the wisdom and the insight I do have now. Because, you know, like, I tell I tell people when people like, you know, who don't know what vitiligo is, and I get to explain it to them, you know, or if I get to explain it to them in technical terms what vitiligo is, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. I said, but to keep it real with you, I think I'm just kissed by angels. So all these spots on me, best believe I'm kissed by angels all over. So, you know, I was, you know, or if I tell children that, children be like, oh my gosh, I want to get kissed by angels too. And so, you know, it just, you know, I see the parents' face like light up or laugh and, and be like, I'm like, you know, maybe you may get kissed by angels, but sometimes some angels, you know, you can't see it. I'm just lucky enough that you can't see. And so I kind of, I kind of like, you know, now it's more, it would be more of a playful thing. Like, you know, um, now I don't have to explain that because I have a partner and everything and she happens to have vitiligo. So, you know, I don't have to worry about explaining or anything like that. But I think there's so much um, media now that a lot of people are aware Vitiligo, like, it's so many times, like, I've been in session with clients, and I was like, okay, and I'm explaining to them who I am and what I do and everything, letting them know, um, and I'll ask them if they know about vitiligo, and, you know, I would say 50% do, you know, and I felt like a long time ago, like, when I first got diagnosed, nobody knew what it was, you know, and even when I try to explain to them Michael Jackson, they were like, oh, he bleached his skin. They didn't, a lot of people still don't even know to this day that the man had a bit of LIGO. Um, but now there's a lot of social um, media influencers like, you know, Winnie Harlow, you know, she, she's in the camera. She's on Victoria, she's in Victoria's Secret. So, you know, people, you know, a lot of times when people say, they be like, oh, you're, you got that thing like that model and stuff, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 that's Winnie, you know? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, she's gorgeous. And so, like, when I talk to other people, like, you know, there's been instances where people from the community, they've called me and they're like, man, you know, um, I don't know how to feel about this. You know, uh, I feel depressed. I feel suicidal. 
you know, I don't feel like going on living. And, you know, of course, when they say these things, of course, initially clinician mode kicks in and I'm like, okay, and I start going over a suicide safety assessment and, you know, make a contract with them and talk to them, but I continue talking to them. And when I continue talking to them, I start asking them questions like, man, you know, have you ever seen this person? They'd be like, yeah, I've seen this person. Or we might be going through and I get to say and ask them like, man, did you see that one person who they posted? Like, oh yeah, they're beautiful. Did you see that one dude? Man, he looks he look swag. He got swag, right? They're like, yeah, he got mad swag. I was like, man, guess what? You do too. You just don't see it. And just like how you see beautiful beauty in all those people, how can you not see beauty in yourself? And so I don't think you know, I think people sometimes, they tend to, because you're looking at yourself and you're losing part of your identity, whether it's on your finger, whether it's on your arm, whether it's on your leg and no one can see it, that's a part of your identity that you're losing. It's almost like grieving something. And, you know, I always say you go through five stages of grief and loss and everything like that, because some people come to terms with it. And a lot of people end up coming to terms with it whether they get some type of depigmentation, whether they get some type of treatment, whether they don't, you come to terms with it. And that's the normal, that's the normal stages of grieving is coming to terms with it. And then, you know, you can go a step further, you know, um, and love and you start advocating and everything else, you know, so it's a lot of different things that go into um, being able to talk about it, being able to reach out because I feel like, you know, when you get to a certain point, you should give back because just like somebody helped you, Alex helped me. And so I took it as my duty to help other people in the community who didn't feel good and everything, you know? And I find a lot of times, you know, men, they'll, they'll confide in other men. They'll tell them that, you know, man, I don't feel good about this. And, you know, I'll tell them like, bro, it's a process and you'll get through it and you'll be there and you'll be exactly where I am at and you'll be happy. You'll look in the mirror and be like, damn, you know, cause I walk in the building. I'll be like, man, I know I'm the finest looking black and white dude in that building. You know what I'm saying? I'm the, I'm the handsomest spotted dude in that building. You can't tell me that I'm not cause I know I am, if I'm the only one there. Now, if another brother's in the building, I'm like, damn, okay. Maybe I'm not the handsomest brother in the building. At least I'm in the top two. So, you know, however the outlook, you know, it goes a little bit with a positive psychology and the way you look at things and the way you um, see yourself and see others, you know, and like I said, there's always going to be those, those one negative uh, comments that may hit your soul, but you have to look back at all the positive things that came along with it and put those things into perspective as you go along. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, even people think um, that I've come to grips with my vitiligo a long time ago. I, I'm still fresh in the, into this, you know, um, the summer of 2019, and I've mentioned it on a couple of my other podcasts, is when I fully accepted my vitiligo, my skin, my journey. Um, but I was uh, actually involved with someone, and I used to say to her, um, there's a change coming out. I, I don't know what it is. Something's happening. I don't know what it is, you know, and she kept saying, well, whenever it happens, you let me know because, you know, she knew I was insecure and I had low self-esteem and she used to point it out quite often. And I tried to explain to her, well, that's how it is having vitiligo. You know, I can be good one day and the next day I'm not. Or we watching something on TV and she might point out this guy, oh, he's fine. He's this and that. And I'm sitting there looking at my skin like, uh, you know, my skin kind of bothers me because I don't look like this, you know. Um, and th that's just, that was my issue that I was dealing with, but what she did, and I will always thank her for it. She called things off. She was just like, look, I want a man who's securing himself. I want a man who doesn't have low self-esteem and she ended it. And I had a choice, be upset, be mad, be frustrated, feel like nobody wants me or accept my skin, love who I am as a person and continue this journey that. I was on and it was like a breakthrough. Like when it, when she did that, it was like whatever shell I was living in, it cracked. And immediately I'll call Terrell. I was like, Hey, Terrell, 
I know you have a support group. I want to come. And the funny thing, Katrina's nephew have been trying to get me for three years. And I would be like, nah, I'm good. I wasn't good, but that's what I was telling him. So I went and previous, before that, I just always felt like I was alone. There was nobody else. I knew what Vitiligo, I knew Terrell, but although we went to college together, I knew him since high school, we just didn't connect in that way. But when I called him immediately, he was like, brother, come on out. You know, we got this event, you know, it was at Southeast Raleigh, um, Mechanics of Farmers Bank. And I went out there, I was scared to death. I was like, okay, I'm gonna drive out here in this community. I'm afraid because I've never been to a support group. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what to expect. <clears throat> but when I walked there, uh, I didn't walk there when I drove, but when I walked in like into the parking lot and to see Terrell, you know, he was my comfort zone. I was like, let me talk to the brother I know. We talked, but then I started meeting the other people, Katrina and there's um, Janine and Kwan was there, some of the other people. I'm like, man, I'm not by myself. There are other people. And, and to me, that that started it all. That's where I'm at now, where I, 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 I've accepted my skin. I've had my breakthrough. Now I'm at a point where I can advocate for other people. And that's what I'm doing, you know, through this podcast, through some of the work we're doing, through the group that we have, you know, the men. Like, I really feel like this is, it, it's a shift in the atmosphere. And with that shift, you can't stop us now. There's so much we're going to do and that we have to do. You know, and it and it's there. You know, I'm gonna toss it back over to you, Dre. You gotta unmute. You know, I think, wow. From what your partner has said, a change is coming. No, no, you said a change is coming, and your partner said, "Let me know when that change comes." That change arrived. It came at its own time when it was supposed to. I think that's like so many other people who who to accept it. We had to have someone come into our life, or we met someone, or we met some people. You know, you met man a powerful group of people. You know, from Terrell to Katrina um, to Kawan, like. They're a powerful force. And, you know, I've seen them speak. I've talked to them. They're amazing people in general. Um, and it, it that right there, your change came when it was supposed to. And I remember feeling insecure. I remember, I, you know, another thing that I didn't mention. I remember I talked to this barber. And, you know, he was cutting. He was like just cutting my beard because I'm bald, of course. <laughs> so he was cutting my beard and he was just like, man he said man yo you know it's like man you got like man the dopest skin i've ever saw i was like at the time you know i hadn't really accepted it then i was like the dopest skin you ever saw i was like man i was like you crazy bro i was like crazy i said you really crazy bro i was like you know you ain't gotta soup me up i'm good bro i'm you know i give you a tip and he was like no, nah, man, I'm dead serious. You know what I'm saying? He said, matter of fact, I'll cut you here for free. He said, you know, he said, man, look at me. He said, take a look at me. I was like, okay. He said, now take a look at everybody around here. I was like, all right. He said, look at, all of us got like ball fades and everything. Now, if we're in a dark club and we all turn, have our backs turned, we're all going to look alike. The lights dim, we all look alike. Not you, bro. You stand out. I was like, hmm. He's like, man, you stand out. I'd rather be like standing out than be looking like everyone. And he, those words were so powerful. I think after that day, that sparked me accepting. And really, I started liking like immediately after. And so, you know, change came about that quick with one spark of a conversation. And I think when people, you know, talk to us or have these conversations, they could put things in such great perspective that we would be like, you know, man, I can't believe this person said that, oh, this person sees me like that. And 
that did that did everything for me. That did everything for me. Like, you know, I would walk around after that, you know, you know, with my shirt off, everything, you know, and like, yeah, you know, because I had muscles and everything, but now I got muscles and a unique look. So I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm the stuff, right? <laughs> and so, you know, it it was the beginning of change and the way I viewed myself after that, you know, and that's before like the internet and support groups were online and everything, you know, it was just a beautiful thing in that moment that I needed to hear that. And I think we all have those moments. Sometimes we may forget, or sometimes we may not even notice it when someone walks by and they stare at us, you know, or they whisper, or they'll say something like, oh, man, you're so beautiful. Some people take it as like, they're just saying things to make me feel better. No, nah, they may really think you're beautiful. Like, you know, I look at vitiligo as being so unique, you know, because no pattern is the same. It's like fingerprints. They say there's no fingerprint that's the same. You know, it's like a very large number, millions of chance that someone has the same fingerprint. It's like that with vitiligo. And though I've seen a lot of people who have similar marks, I remember me and Perry had uh, very similar markings, me, him, and Carwin. Everybody thought these call us the triplets and everything like that. But we still differed, you know what I'm saying, in the markings to its preciseness and everything. Same shapes, but different. And I've seen that amongst the community. I've seen women who have like butterfly marks on their face. And I'd be like, man, that is so dope, so gorgeous, different types of shapes of butterfly marks. And like, wow, you know, Denise, a heart shape on her face, like, man, you know, she was basically the vitiligo darling of the community because not only did she have the heart on her face, but she was just as sweet to match. So, you know, I think about all these nuances, all these differences, you know, that make us beautiful, that make us unique. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I, I actually have a heart shape on my leg and, um, I, I noticed it um, just recently. I'm like, oh, there's, there's a spot. But somebody was like, it looks like a heart. Like, it does. You know, so it, it's those funny things. Like, I make faces out of my spots. Like, on my hand, I feel like, you know, I have a rabbit. You know, I see the ears and the eyes and, you know, different things. I'm enjoying it, actually. And I use it to my advantage at school to connect with the kids. Because they see me. I, I wear my shorts to school. Like, I had shorts on today. And a little girl kept, she just had this look like, what is wrong with his legs? And I said, oh, you spotted my camouflage, huh? And she just started laughing. And then she ran into one of her friends not paying attention. But it, it kind of, it breaks the ice when you're able to be so comfortable that you can joke with people about your skin. And, and that's the one thing. We do stand out. You know, um, I went to, um, and actually, before I came home, I stopped at a restaurant and ate with my shorts. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that in the past. I went to the restaurant, walked in. I don't, I'm at a point now. I don't care. You can see my legs, see my hands. I mean, I can't hide them. You know, I know I stand out because you're like, oh, that's the dude with the hands. That's the dude with the stuff on his arms. That's the dude with the stuff on his legs. You know, and if I, if I don't shave, if I shave, you'd be like, oh, that's the dude with the stuff around his mouth. I can hide it because my facial hair is dark. So I can hide it a little bit, but people still say, you know, they can see it. But, you know, it, it's just where I'm at a point where I'm, I don't just like it. I love it because it is my skin. And what I want to do, and as we talked about it with the fellas, you know, help other brothers and, and the sisters too. You know, we're not going to eliminate anybody or discriminate towards anybody to first you got to accept your skin you know you got to accept the fact that you have this condition you know there are many treatments but there's no cure and i'll talk about that that comment in a minute um and then once you accept your skin then you start to like it you don't have to love it yet but you start to like it you know like okay you know this is my vitiligo you know and that's just a part of the process now, once you love it, that's when you just, that's that confidence. You're like, I'm good. I can wear shorts. I, like you said, I can take my shirt off and walk around and flex and all this stuff. Uh, and there's a few of us that are at that point. Not everybody's there. And I get it. And, and we just have to be mindful, too, that when we're at that level, 
when we are loving ourselves, we don't love ourselves so much that we forget about the other people we got to lift up. Because uh, I feel like that's very important, lifting each other up. Um, I did a, real quick, I, I did a, a study with a research firm about vitiligo, and we were talking and have, having a great conversation. And the lady asked me, would I be interested in, in one of those um, studies uh, for a a new um not a cure but 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 another treatment and i said to her i said you know i think at this point we're tired of treatments there's so many treatments on the market you know there's a lot to choose from i said what i think a lot of us want is a cure you know if you're going to cure it great if you're going to give us another treatment eh, you know it's just something else we have to do and will insurance cover it all these other factors um, and you see, even on Facebook, people offering, you know, more treatments, you see the ads and all that stuff, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to treat it. I feel like if I, if I want my skin to go back to its original color, I want to have a cure that keeps it that way. Not something that's temporary, you know, and real quick, what are your thoughts about treatments? Well, you know, my stance has always been um, first you have to love yourself. You know, you have to accept yourself and like yourself. I think um, my standpoint is focus on mental health first. Um, and then if treatment is something that you want for whatever reason, why you want it, that's okay. Because we know not all treatments work for everyone. Um, sometimes the treatment doesn't work fully. It'll cure some parts and not other parts. And I think that's okay. There's nothing wrong with getting treatment. There's nothing wrong. Um, but if you're not mentally prepared for your, for your skin to go back or progress even worse, then I question, you know, um, I question when, say, people go in there and the doctors don't say, well, you know, I want you like, I know program, she does like triadic care. So she's working with, uh, she's working with a clinician, she's working with a psychiatrist and she's working with herself. Or sometimes she include a doctor, you know, because the thought is if, yeah, if this treatment doesn't work, then if your skin condition gets worse, where are you going to be at mentally and emotionally? And my thought is, you know, um, get right with yourself before you get any type of treatment because there's no 100% foolproof treatment that's going to work for everyone. It does work for some people, but not everyone. And for me, even if it works for 50%, then you're still gambling, you're still taking a chance. And if it backfires, then, you know, are you going to be having anxiety? Are you going to have stress? Are you going to have depression? You know, all these nuances that go along with your loss of identity. And if it progresses even more, yeah, you're now, first it was just on your hands or it was on your legs or your feet. Now it's just on your face. So now you're gonna really have people looking at you and everything, or if it was on your face, now it spreads even more, then what's gonna happen? You have to come to a place where you're gonna be okay with yourself. Me, myself, you know, I told somebody I wouldn't trade my vitiligo for a million. They were like, really? I was like, man, not even for two million, not even for 10 million. This is part of my story. It's like, it took me a lot to get to where I'm at and to discount where I'm at. Why would I want to do that? You know, and it, for me, you know, it only uh, makes me sun sensitive and that's it. Other days that I feel like, you know, um, you know, I would want a treatment. Yeah, those days that I really want to be out in the sun because I used to love the sun. I used to love to go to the beaches, you know, from being in Trinidad and everything and going down to the beaches as a child and everything, you know, going to the beaches in California as a kid. You know, um, yeah, do I miss the beach? Yeah. Do I go out there now? Every once in a while, you know, I feel like Sunblock only offers so much protection, 
And so, you know, if I'm going to go in the water, I got to go in, spend my little 30 minutes in there. I'm like, okay, I'm cool for the day because the sun, like, beats me up so badly. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want any problems with the sun. So when I think about all the different treatment alternatives, I think about people who get depigmentation. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't hate on anyone. I don't hate, man, you want to get depigmentation? Because I understand the goal is to get one uniform skin pattern. You know, everybody wants to, nobody wants to be in between. Well, the people who have issues with don't want to be in between. And so even if you get depigmentation, you know, there's a lot to consider with that. So, you know, I say you have to be right mentally with yourself. Before you even get depigmentation cream, you know, the monobenzoyl cream, if you decide to go ahead and get light treatment, whatever, or even tattoos, you know, because even with tattoos and people, I've heard people tattooing their skin. I don't want any of those types of problems. Like, man, it was enough to go ahead and get the tattoos I got, you know, so I can't imagine tattooing my whole body. I don't, man, no, I can't take that type of pain, man. It's not that much type of pain in the world worth it for me to go through that. That sounds excruciating. And so, um, like I said, I think if you're not mentally equipped to deal with all the repercussions of everything, then you have to question if this is the right treatment or the right process for you. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's funny, um, that same um, conversation I had with the research company, they asked me, you know, what what do I think is the biggest challenge uh, with people with vitiligo? And I said mental health. Because, you know, vitiligo itself, yes, it takes the pigmentation away from our skin, but it doesn't do anything else beyond that. But what happens, it messes with your your emotions, you know, your your um, your mental capacity, because we start to, you know, think what's going to happen, what's happening here. Oh, I'm changing. You know, it's all that that goes along with it. Um, and then spiritually, you know, it, it really affects you in so many different ways. And with that, you know, when you're stressing about your skin changing, now you start to deal with some of the physical parts of stress, you know, so vitiligo itself may not physically harm you it would take away your pigmentation but it leads to other things if you're not handling it correctly or if you're not handling it with a support group you know and I, and I say that and I, not necessarily meaning like vit friends or lady ligo or other groups but meaning family friends having people around you that can truly truly help you no, you're absolutely right. And when I think about stress and vitiligo, like stress activates it, you know, for a lot of people. So the more you stress about it, the more you get bent out of shape, the more you worry about it, you know, is sometimes the more it progresses. And, you know, for some people that's not necessarily true, but for a lot of people that is true. I think when I first got diagnosed with it, I was stressing so much about it. Um, and when I went to get my um, testing done for HIV and everything, you know, it relieved, like, it relieved my mind. I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about HIV. But the doctor said, you need to come back in six months to make sure that it's not there, it's not present for you to get, like, um, a full good bill of health. And so I was like, okay. And then the next few months, like, it even disappeared, like, within two months. I was like, oh man, it disappeared, it's gone. And then when I got to month four, I was like, wait a second, I gotta go back to the doctors to see if I get in that other test for HIV. What if I do got HIV? And I started stressing so much that bite mark pattern popped back up. And then I got really scared, like, wait a second, maybe it is. And then and then all of a sudden it just started going haywire, it started going crazy. And you know, at a time I couldn't control it. And then in those negative thought patterns, we start catastrophizing. And when we start catastrophizing and we started playing the worst case scenario, like, oh yeah, I'll never, you know, be in love with someone. I'll never, you know, meet someone. This is gonna like, people are gonna hate me. I'm gonna be looking ugly and all these other thoughts, negative thought patterns and these negative uh, belief, you know, our self-esteem takes a hit, everything like that, you know, how we we want to isolate, all these things play into that stress because you get 
stressed out about going out. You get stressed out about people seeing you that haven't seen in a while, and people get to tell you, man, you look really different, you know? And we might take that as like, man, I look very different negatively, very bad. And all that emotional turmoil, you know, presents itself and it presents itself as anxiety, you know, you know, it stresses us, depression leads on, all types of OCDs come into play, you know, so it turns, and those things could turn into physical manifestations, you know, and we will, because we have an autoimmune condition, our immune system takes a hit, so it makes it more susceptible to just viruses and you know illnesses out there because we were so stressed and our immune system is like taking such a blow and combating all the stress and everything it can't handle it so we need to go ahead and you know at some point arm ourselves with or armor ourselves with you know what i'm saying positivity people that will go ahead and support us people that are there for us people see past the skin, the outer appearance. And I say, vitiligo was a blessing for me because I started realizing that I started getting more genuine people into my life. People saw past the, the coloration or the discolorations or whatever. People who would just like, you know, have my back no matter what. And the people who don't have my back, you know, I see them now and I just, you know, hey, what's going on? I don't, you know, thank you because you, we're able to show me who my true friends are and those who will be in my life forever. So, you know, I think it could be as much as people think it's a curse, it can also be a blessing as well. You know, um, before we, we get to the closing, I do want to say this, um, for my own journey, when I had an opportunity to meet you, Ben Perry, I already knew Terrell and we were all here that was the first time I've ever been around um, other people in our vitiligo community. I've met the North Carolina people. I haven't met anyone outside of North Carolina. Um, although I know a lot of people on Facebook now, I've never met them in person. You know, and actually to meet people in person, I'm like, man, this is so cool. You know, and when I went home, I was really thinking about it. I said, you know, I'm actually a part of this community, you know, because I haven't had a chance to go to a convention. The pandemic hit, canceled. This year, canceled. So, you know, next year, uh, I look forward to being there. I look forward to actually meeting people, to be able to shake people's hands, give people hugs, you know. Um, it, you know, it's just all that I miss. I feel like, you know, I've had a um, halfway journey into the, the community because, you know, it's all been virtual. But I look forward to the moment where I can just really interact with people across the nation, you know, and um, and at least virtually, you know, I think about it. I was able to connect with people in other countries, people that I would never have an opportunity to talk to, you know. So um, having vitiligo has been a blessing. Um, sometimes you think your inner circle is really small, which it is, but you also have an outer circle that's much larger. And sometimes those people that are on the outside find a way in because they truly support you. They're truly genuine. So now I, I look at it that way. I, you know, I've met some wonderful people um, virtually, but I look forward to meeting them in person, physically. You know, it's been great. Before we wrap it up, I'm going to throw it over to you to um, give one last positive words of advice to anyone out there in our community. Well, I, I do want to touch on something you said as far as like connecting with people. And like I've been to like so many different states and met so many people at Villago because I kind of feel like, you know, when I travel somewhere, you know, I'll put it out there to the like groups. I'm like, man, I'm going to be in your city, blah, 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 whoever wants to meet up. Let's meet up. Let's chop it up. Let's talk. You know, and I made such great connections with people or when people feel like they were at their lowest because they didn't see anybody else with Villago or whatever. Or if I'm happening to be making a beeline through your state and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop off here. Anybody going to be around to have lunch or whatever? And a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm down. And so, you know, I think that's the beautiful thing about community. People have let me stay at their 
uh, places, you know, in New Jersey, you know, Dawn, like, you know, man, I'm talking about traveled up to Canada and everything, you know, and saw Ava and Julie, Julie, I'm talking about, man, there's no place that I haven't been where people were just like, nah, I don't want to see whatever, you know, like even when I go out there to Texas, even when I want to go out there to Colorado, I go hang out with Jasmine, you know, New York, oh, New York people, they so dope, you know, I love the New York video folks, you know what I'm saying, I love going out there, kick with Shazad, you know, I even went down to Florida, kicked it with, you know, Two-Tone, hung out with Perry, you know what I'm saying, in Atlanta, like, you know, and just going out there to meet you guys, it was a beautiful thing because, you know, I finally felt like, man, these guys get what it means and how powerful it is to connect. Then when we put it in that perspective as being men and trying to empower other men, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think, you know, and I want to put this out there, you know, because I've, I've said that, you know, I didn't want to go to another conference or whatever, but I always tell everybody, need to go at least once to experience that energy because the energy is so unbelievable and you know even now since the pandemic hit and everything i've rethought some of the things i've said you know as far as like not going or not everything and i think like this pandemic showed me that you know community and family and support is everything and so you know um I'm looking forward to connect with a lot of people in the future. There's a lot of things that we're working toward. I know we're working toward uh, doing some things out here in the Chicago land that where we will be able to host people to come up here and um, man, have community, have family, not on a large scale, but on a small scale. And I'm looking forward to include, include all these individuals and everything that I wanna see as a forever part of my community, I want to see them come and celebrate and create a beautiful, loving community within itself. And, you know, I'm looking forward to everything to come, whether it's World Vitiligo Day, you know, uh, online celebration, then I'm looking past it to the next time we'll get a chance to all meet up. So I say, hang in there. You know, there's a lot of people who are sharing similar lives to you. And right now you may feel hopeless, but hope is around the corner. You may feel powerless, but really you're powerful. You just don't know it yet. And your time, just like how Mark came into his time, your time is coming too. Just like I came into my time, your time is coming too. Absolutely, absolutely. I, and Dre, I appreciate you coming on board and having this conversation. Uh, for our listeners out there, this is Mark Braxton, and this is my podcast, Living Life and Love. Um, and it's really called Living Life and Love with Vitiligo, but I shortened it just for the title because that's a whole lot to put on the uh, <laughs> uh, put on the title. But that's what it really is: Living Life and Love with Vitiligo. Just to let everybody know, this is a Vit Friends podcast, but it's sponsored by my vitiligo team and once again my guest for today is andre so everyone out there remember to always love someone and make sure you are included in that so thank you very much have a blessed day you have been listening to living life in love with your host mark braxton 